A quick note before we get started. This episode is part of a series of shows we recorded on the floor of the Phoenix Convention Center during the Association of Corporate Council's 2019 annual meeting. I wanted to point that out in case you're curious about the background noises. I also wanted to thank the ACC for helping make these episodes possible. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me, as always, is my producer, Brian Ewing. We do have a couple of special guests here today. Um, we have uh, Steve Caveza, who's legal counsel with Mars, Inc. Steve, appreciate you being here. Happy to be here, Mark. Thanks Great. for having me. And we also have Ashley Horn. Um, Ashley, uh, tell us a little bit about your position here at Womble. I'm the chief marketing officer for Womble Von Dickinson. Good. And that's an appropriate role given our topic, which is going to be talking about public relations and dealing with the public, whether it's marketing or the other PR piece. And I think that's a great topic. It's one we haven't really covered in our podcast before. And I think a lot of GCs were not trained in media relations. Uh, we're not reporters like Brian used to be. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, we know it's important. Some firms have their own separate PR departments, but oftentimes you got this delicate interchange between legal and PR. So that's the, that's the topic we're going to be talking about today. Um, I think most of our listeners probably know about Mars, uh, Steve, but they may be thinking M&Ms, and that's not the, uh, that's not the part of Mars uh, you're working in. I know you're doing the pet food and other pet health products, and, you know, it's brands that everyone's heard of, even if they don't think it's Mars. Things like Pedigree, Yukonuba, Imes, Banfield, you know, that, that we all know. Why don't you tell our listeners, I know you've been there three years, a little bit about kind of how you came to Mars and what your, what your role is there, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So Mars is a, it's a fantastic company. I've been lucky to uh, support the pet care segment, which is headquartered uh, for North America out of Nashville. As part of my uh, role as legal counsel there, I support all the functions. Um, as an in-house generalist, part of that role is supporting uh, our corporate affairs department. So that's both internal and external corporate and public affairs. Um, so I'll dive into uh, more details of exactly what that means in a little bit. Right. But as a general overview, um, I essentially am responsible for everything related to our pet care segment in North America that is not a, a trademark or a patent. Gotcha. Okay. That's pretty broad it is responsibility. Very broad. It is very how broad. Many, how many, do you have others in your department or what, how is it structured? I mean, are there others helping you in that pet care piece or is that just kind of Steve? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great a great question. Uh, currently, we, we I report to a, an AGC who is over uh, two entities, so it's Mars Pet Care and uh, Royal Canin, which is a separate entity. Me and him uh, currently handle all of North America as, as far as generalist uh, matters. Wow. Okay, that's pretty broad. And what about? I mean, we'll talk more about kind of the interaction with PR. How is that? Is there a separate public relations? department or staff? How, how is that set up? Functionally? Yeah. So within Mars Pet Care, uh, we call it corporate affairs. Okay. Um, and again, it's broken into internal comms, which is dealing communications with, uh, say, our factories, uh, our associates within our headquarters, and then also external, which is your typical, you think of media, uh, whether that's social media or, or media requests, uh, press releases, and also brand management. So we obviously have brands that uh, have a lot of fame and notoriety, um, but on top of that, we have you know the Mars brand, and then we have the Mars Pet Care brand, and and what does that mean, and, and how do we bring it to life? So part of my role, 
being an ambassador for the company is going beyond just being a lawyer. And the easiest department to do that other than marketing is uh, through corporate affairs. So really getting okay. involved with them, building relationships, building trust, um, being a, a human, uh, which sometimes <laughs> as a lawyer is difficult to do. I was going to say, you're one of those human lawyers, I'm, I right? am one of the rare ones. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Well, um, in this day of AI lawyers, you know, that's, that's yeah. saying exactly. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So really uh, engaging that team uh, on a personal level um, has has been really important to me. They're, they're fantastic. They're great individuals. Um, and so that's been a... Uh, that's been a big thing for me in my three years at Mars. Gotcha. Now, I know one reason we decided to talk on this topic when Brian was doing some background research, he saw your name on a number of the Mars community outreach yes. projects. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because that's an interesting aspect of that whole community relations that's not really marketing, but kind of marketing. Yeah, I'll try to bucket them. So one okay. would be um, an unbranded initiative that Mars Pet Care has, which is called Better Cities for Pets. Uh, I work primarily with the U.S. Conference of Mayors to get cities certified as better cities. And what hmm. that means is having more green space for your pets to play in, um, having housing that doesn't reject animals, having retail and restaurant locations that welcome pets. Um, so that's one initiative that, uh, that I've been involved in help, helping guide hmm. um, as far as any legal um, or negative PR um, might come from it. So far, so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Another bucket is uh, what we call MVP, and that's our acronym for um, our volunteer program. So Mars allows associates a paid day off to uh, volunteer in the community. Oh, great. And so I am an active participant in that, not just because <laughs> I love volunteering, but it gets me out of the office. Uh, we get to you know, help construct dog parks or go to uh, other places in the community and be out there. We all wear our matching shirts, and it's something that's very important to Mars internationally. Hmm. Um, so that's another piece. And then thirdly, you know, you mentioned um, being involved in, you know, community outreach type stuff. We have uh, our Pedigree brand, which is very well known. We also have a nonprofit, the Pedigree Foundation, which uh, primarily issues grants to rescues to help uh, get more pets adopted. It's really the the initiative. I'm on the board of directors for that. And so it's a unique way for me to be, again, not just a lawyer, but to engage on a, a separate piece of the business, which drives the bigger brand, but also um, hits home in, in, in other ways and community outreach and otherwise. That's great. That's great. Is most of your, most or all of your community outreach focused around pet related activities? I know you talked about building a dog park or, or those kind of things. Is that, do you do that in, you know, on an intentional basis to kind of yes. keep focused <laughs> brand related? Certainly. You're, you're not out building habitat houses. You're doing something that you're is right. going to be is, pet branded. It is pet care related. You know, our mission is, is a better world for pets. Um, and so we're trying to live that and find ways to live that, whether it's a global initiative or, or a local, uh, more organic type of thing. But I will say that, you know, there are a lot of studies done that, uh, you know, having pets uh, is better for your health. It's better mm-hmm. for you to, um, to socialize. It can de- decrease stress. You can make more friends. Um, <laughs> there are lots of, you know, proven benefits. And so while not directly, um, you know, going after the human side, indirectly, uh, <laughs> indirectly, we, we do. indirectly yeah, help right. humans. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's right. No, I think that's, I think that's great. And is there, is there something you're bringing? I mean, I, I think those all sound like great ways to, you know, create positive community feeling and frankly, and make a difference in connection with your mission. So they may be worthwhile in and of themselves. Is there something as a, as a lawyer that you think you're bringing to some of those initiatives that, other in-house counsel might want to think about as they choose their own types of community engagement. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, the one thing it all goes back to is building those relationships, whether that's internal or external and just and just showing a different side of you. As far as what a lawyer brings, I mean, I think like a lot of, um, you know, business initiatives as an in-house lawyer, it's just a different perspective. It's a different way of looking at things, reading things, thinking about things. The way you word something in a, in a press release, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just kind of assumed your agency was doing their job and... Uh, and by the way, we have great agencies that do great jobs. Um, but you know, things just maybe don't don't fit with the brand or fit with the company for reasons that are beyond the agency's purview. They didn't know there are these other things happening in the background or things you're looking at or maybe a, an acquisition you might want to make in the future. Any kind of proprietary information that they're just not privy to or you know might not jive with your your brand. And so being able to watch out for those kinds of things. Because as a lawyer, you're also you know in-house, you're the dot connector, you know um, mm. Some things that finance, supply, sales, marketing may be doing uh, that maybe corporate affairs that more in a vacuum might not be privy to. That's interesting. The other thing that struck me, it's a little different than the topic, but you said, do you, are you also involved in that internal communication piece? Yes. Is that, you know, I'm interested in thoughts. That That's something that I think lawyers, in-house counsel sometimes get forced into, but again, it's not something we have any kind of training on about how to communicate internally about an initiative or other programs. And I see Ashley smiling, so I'm going to ask you to chime in next. I know that's you know something even in a, in a law firm as big as ours, figuring out the internal communication challenge is, a, is tough. I guess, how did you get involved in that and what, what are any tips you can provide in on the internal communication piece that, you know, may be helpful to folks that don't know any, <laughs> to get nervous and say, wait a minute, this isn't yeah. something they taught me at law school. Absolutely. No, I think, um, you know, fortunately I have a great internal comms team to rely on. Um, they don't need me much. That's a good thing. Um, but really, you know, usually what I'm bringing is, is just being clear and concise in your communication, telling enough to allow our associates to understand, but not too much so that, you know, perhaps we might scare them or, or misinform or, or cause more stir or swirl, as we like to call it. <laughs> um, and then also just being, um, you know, equitable. So an, an interesting piece that always brings up questions is uh, anytime we have any kind of giveaway or our corporate affairs team was given some great Tennessee Titans tickets, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. um, and we want to reward associates. Well, how do we do that in a, in a way that's that's fair and equitable, uh, that everyone has a chance where, you know, we don't uh, upset anyone and, um, you know, while necessarily not legal it, it, entirely in a vacuum, you know, I don't expect to have any lawsuits from it. Um, it they do appreciate my input and my and my guidance on, on how to go about doing that. Sure. Sounds good. Ashley? Yeah, and I would say I think internal communications done the right way is a team sport. So I think oftentimes it can sit within marketing and be pretty siloed. But I love what Steve's talking about to where there are, you know, diverse perspectives to really be inserted into a really solid internal communication strategy. I think if, if you just have a few marketers kind of running the show and you don't have the GC's office and leadership and just really a well-connected team and process, I think comms can can be on a downhill kind of slide without that just well-rounded perspective. So I love hearing that you're involved with that. I think that's unique, truly, for for most organizations to have kind of the the lawyer perspective within that. So that's great. That's a yeah. that's a good word because I get told that a lot, and I don't know if it's good <laughs> or bad. That I'm a, I'm a very unique, unique. in-house yeah. lawyer. Right. So, uh, yeah, I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Yes, you should. No, I yeah. would agree. I wouldn't think that would be a typical job yeah. description for an in-house counsel, but I think it's important. Right. 
Well, and I think it's a challenge as a recipient of those communications. You know, it's you're so pressed for time, and I know we struggle with different types of presentation. Is it going to be on our internet or the homepage right. there? Is it just going to be a blast email, which is certainly the traditional way, but at some point when you're getting two, three hundred emails a day, you know, at what level are you going to be absorbing those? Do we do the town hall meetings like we did with uh, Betty Temple, our CEO? You know, how do you how do you communicate something and get a consistent message? I think is really hard and very hard to do well. So I think that's true. Um, let me ask you about, you know, when you work with that department, do you have like kind of a standardized workflow where they're saying here that, you know, where you're basically previewing communications on a regular basis? Do they decide, hey, this is something Steve needs to take a look at because we're, we're going to give away $100,000 of sports tickets? Or, you know, yeah. I, I just wonder, again, it's part of that work management. I, I don't imagine you're reviewing everything that goes out to everybody, but, but how do you know, how do they know or you know what's important? Yeah, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but Mars is very much a, uh, a relationship based uh, company globally. And so really, you know, I spent my first year probably just establishing and building those relationships to say, hey, I'm not here uh, for you to have this very creative idea, campaign, communication to say no and redline it and send it back to you. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can do it, but here are, are a few areas you need to watch. Maybe consider this. And the earlier you involve me, the more strategic we can be uh, rather than coming to me and, and me having to say, no, you can't do that, and right. here's why. Um, and some of it was trial and error. Some of it was doing that over over the okay. course of time and, and running into roadblocks and explaining this is why. Um, but once you build that relationship and you've established that trust and they realize there are some risky things you're not going to shoot down and so that when you actually do say no, they, they feel there's a reason. <laughs> right. Steve usually lets us do these things. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, building those relationships and that, and that trust and, uh, and being a good lawyer and, uh, and really just a good coworker to bounce things off of. A lot of the questions I get, whether it's marketing or corporate affairs or otherwise, are not technically legal questions. They just mm -hmm. want to someone they can talk to about something and get a, a reasonable, grounded response. And if that's the perspective I'm able to bring, I think I'm still adding value outside of just uh, being a lawyer. Interesting. I know, I know it may be, this may be a cultural question because a lot of companies are different. I wonder whether things like the community initiatives you've described, are those, do you have a policy saying we will do it or these are the type of initiatives or is it not something that ever gets really written down? It's just part of the culture of, of Mars that says these are the kind of things we do. I think it's a little bit, of, a little bit of both, um, okay. and there's no we're, we're we're policy light, I would say, in mm -hmm. general at, at Mars, but obviously there needs to be a fit with our purpose, and again, that's that's a better world for pets. So if there's an argument to be made that it fits our purpose, we will spend our resources, whether that's our people spending their time or us putting financial resources towards it, whether it's another nonprofit or any kind of event where we can staff it up. Um, if it's going to make a better world for pets and our corporate affairs people feel that it makes sense and the time is right, uh, then we're usually going to do it. Gotcha. All right. Very mission-focused. I like that. Very you know, much that's, so. That's, I love hearing I about know. the purpose. Don't you yeah, hear about purpose? We've talked a lot about that in we some have. of our own internal yeah. you know, firm direction and leadership uh, yeah. focus about what is our purpose as a firm, what makes it different. I, I would say it's very important to have that purpose. A lot of companies don't have that clear definition. You've referenced it three or four times in yeah, this podcast. Yeah. I'm, and you I'm really, impressed. You, I mean, I think it's good. It can also just be a slogan on the wall, and, and it's important right. that you, you live it and you bring it to right. life. And so by doing these corporate affairs, these community outreach, whatever the case may be, always 
going back to that and thinking, what, what the heck are we really trying to do here? Mm -hmm. And if you can then live that purpose, you know, the, the profits and the other things hopefully will follow. Um, but if you focus on the purpose, those other things will fall into place. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about how you use outside resources, law firms, PR firms, folks like that to kind of either help draft. I know you mentioned agencies, so I assume you use ad agencies, but what, what kinds of things do you find are better to just hire someone to do as opposed to trying to do it internally? Uh, well, as far as the, the ad agencies on the marketing side or the PR agencies on our corporate affairs side, I mean, that's a, that's a heavy lift. It takes a lot of time to do those things, and we you know, simply typically don't have the resources to do them internally. Um, so that we, that we need the people and, the, and those resources that those third parties provide. Um, outside counsel on marketing and uh, corporate affairs can be, can be really tricky. Because again, the perspective I add, I bring to the table and the value I add is often knowing all these other pieces interwoven into our business of what's going on or what may be coming down the road. Um, and those are things that a, an outside counsel or other third party probably doesn't know unless they're kind of acting as an outside general counsel and they do know all the inner workings. So it's, it's, it's a delicate balance. We do have some great uh, law firms that do provide me some help with some heavy lifts uh, on the advertising front. But typically, it needs to be um, the more basic things when it gets a little more, you know, interwoven into uh, the fabric of our company, what we're doing, what we want to say, how we want to say it. Again, when it's a non-legal question, uh, it's really difficult to outsource those kinds of things. Right. Let's move to some uh, practical tips, I guess, for you've spent more time thinking about some of that public relation community involvement than a lot of other lawyers. For, for someone that's either new to the in-house position or hasn't really had that on their radar as a role, what would be some of the, you know, a good first couple things that they may want to explore to kind of get involved in that area? Uh, you really have to figure out what uh, what's important to the business, A, uh, which you'll obviously learn and should be pretty self-apparent. And then B, just what's important to you. Um, so for me, I'm part of the Pedigree Foundation board, uh, but then another example, I'm on the board with uh, what's called Pet Community Center. It's, it's also a local nonprofit, completely unrelated, but that was just something I had a personal desire for their mission um, and wanted to join that board and do that. And it, it obviously ties in nicely to what, mm -hmm. what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, but that was a, a personal choice. And so if you're fortunate enough to be an in-house lawyer and a, a, a younger in-house lawyer, maybe without much experience in, in these kinds of areas or sitting on boards, whatever the case may be, um, just really giving some thought on, on what's important to you, uh, what's important to your career, and things outside of the office that you can do to engage that might parlay into your, your career or, or the work you do uh, on a daily basis, but aren't necessarily um, interdependent on one another. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice, I think. Ashley, anything to add on that? Yeah, and Steve, you mentioned at the beginning, your first year of really being with, um, with Mars, that you really zeroed in on building those relationships. And I do think that's unique to build such, I think, trust and camaraderie with marketing and comms. So tell us about that journey. I'm just interested in mm. hearing about yeah. how do you go about <laughs> doing that? What, what was the kind of blocking and tackling done? That is a really good question, actually. I, um, I'm just thinking back to it now for the first time in a long time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, essentially coming in and um, 
you know, people don't necessarily want to meet the lawyer. Right. They get a little scared <laughs> when they get... Especially marketing. Yeah, yes, exactly. especially marketing. Uh, get a little intimidated, perhaps, when they get a, a calendar invite um, or, or a Skype message from me like, hey, can you meet? It's like, what, I, what did I do wrong? Um, but just reaching out uh, one-on-one, you know, identifying who the, who the brand managers are, who the directors are, whomever, and saying, hey, I want to meet. I just want to... I don't even want to talk business. I have no prerogative. I just want to... Here's who I am. Here's my background. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where'd you go to school? What do you do for the company? Um, tell me more about the brand you represent. And then you start just uh, kind of spitballing on maybe here are some ways that, that I can help you. Here are some things I've seen in the past. I'm here. Uh, that's not enough. Without they, the agenda. They, they yeah, probably, right. um, but now you've made the intro. They know who you are. Um, that's half the battle. Then uh, I finagled my way into the all team marketing team meetings. Um, to just let me give me <laughs> five minutes. That's all I want. You have this hour-long meeting every period with all your marketers. Give me five minutes. I just want to introduce myself to the group, tell them who I am, know they have a resource. So check that box. Hmm. Um, and then uh, started providing trainings. So I started seeing where things did go wrong and also where things went right. I was able to get on the calendar for all marketing training and just said, hey, guys, here, here are examples of what you did right. Here are examples of what you did wrong. Here's how we can do it differently. And if you had brought me in the beginning, maybe this is what it would have looked like. Um, so then you have that technical training. And then lastly, it's just that continuing ongoing daily relationship building. Um, and again, if you're, if you over lawyer things, if you're too technical, too uh, risk averse, they're not going to want to come to you. But if you're, if you're honest um, and open, here are the issues. Here's what I think you should do. Here's what I would do if you were you. It, it really helps. I love that. That's great. I think that's, yeah, yeah, a unique relationship and one that we should all learn from. I love that. I'm curious, Ashley, um, I think we, Steve touched on this a bit, but having worked in places other than a uh, law firm and now with a law firm, what would you say to the um, in-house counsel out there to convince them that it's a good idea to do like Steve to, to go and get involved in the with the marketing team and to do more than just say you know here's why you can't do that like to say right. what can I do to help you guys how can right. I get involved in the stuff that you're doing what, what would you say is the benefit for that what would you say to, to encourage them to do that and and what would you say to them about actually doing it how going about doing that? yeah I mean what I've learned just in this brief conversation with Steve is you can tell he kind of exudes this engagement factor. So Mm -hmm. you can hear that his employee experience, right, with Mars is better because of these trusted and just, I think, the camaraderie he's built. So the carrot that I think, it's not even that you're better at your job, but to me, there is a purpose fulfilled in just connecting with others that are, you know, have um, different perspectives and different kind of day-to-day roles. So to me, that's the carrot, right? And it's why I do love working in a professional services environment as a marketer, because truly, you know, it's not like we have a team of 300 marketers. So you're learning different disciplines. You're connecting with folks that just have, I think, a diverse understanding of the business and, and the market. So that's what I think the the benefit is, Brian. I think it's just, it amplifies your employee experience and makes coming to work every day just a, a lot better. That, mm-hmm. That's what I heard, certainly from Steve. I think that purpose fulfilled is connecting with others, and that was clear. 
Yeah, I, I would echo that. I completely agree. Um, I've worked at in-house uh, roles in the past where, you know, you kind of felt like you were a lawyer and you were in a box. You had a certain role to play. You had to act and, and speak and look a certain way. Um, our legal function and, and Mars as a company really allows you to, you know, I, I kind of hate this saying, bring your whole self to work because I don't think that's entirely <laughs> true and don't really think you should do that all the time. <laughs> uh, but, but being just human, being yourself, being approachable really makes a difference, especially as a, as a lawyer who people have preconceived notions on how you will interact with them, the things you will say, how you will treat them. And then when they see that's not the case, it's kind of eye-opening and then they're they want to bring more to you and do so earlier in the process so then that allows you to be more strategic as opposed to just reactive um, and really help navigate some issues that that they're going to have yeah and going on to your next opportunity not that you'll ever leave but i think having that experience understanding the marketing side of the house just makes you more well-rounded and that's that's i'm looking at allison boss right behind us who's in our gc's office and my interaction with her on, on a daily basis, I think just further kind of enriches my understanding of our business and the business side of a law firm. So um, I totally agree. Yeah, I was just curious, uh, Steve, has your engagement with the marketing department influenced how you do your job as far as you know addressing issues or, or um, helping communicate things, et cetera? You know, has it, you know, has it, how has it informed how you do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think kind of two things uh, that immediately come to mind. One is um, having formed those relationships, they do engage me earlier and more often. Beneficial to me on the flip side, I've seen what they're capable of and that I can trust them and that, you know, they are competent. They are thinking through these things. You, you know, they're paying attention to the issues or, or perhaps you've walked through an issue with them once and then the next campaign comes up and they say, hey, Steve, I know I know, <laughs> I got to watch out here because you've uh -huh. taught me that. Um, so uh -huh. that just having, a, you know, it, it goes both ways. I learned from them as well. Um, and it's, it's enriched, you know, me as a lawyer and my career. And then just on a personal level, you know, I can consider a lot of, a lot of the folks within the building uh, friends and that makes it just better to come to work every day. Yep. Yeah, we could almost recaption this the human lawyer episode. You I know, love it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right? that's right. Right? Not just not just public relations, but right. you know that human connection, which I think yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that's we don't hear that often. That focus on just let's just relate, get to know each other, and I think it's hard. I mean, you gave some tips and things you did to get introduced at the meetings and have those discussions. I think you know, particularly if you've got someone coming from a law firm environment, that's going to be an unusual you know, unusual role to all of a sudden say, now I've got to go out and connect all these other people. I think they're, you know, I could see a lot of lawyers staying in the office and saying, I'll deal with questions when they come to me. And that doesn't, that's not, I mean, I hear you saying that's not the approach that's going to allow you to connect, but I think that's why this is a little different than, no, than what you, we hear from other folks. You're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, I'm, a, I'm president of the ACC uh, Tennessee chapter, mm. and I get uh, lawyers who, who make the move uh, to in-house and you know, are new to in-house and say like, Steve, how do I do this? How do I, how do I influence? How do I get a seat at the table for executives or with leadership? Um, how, do, how do I get them to listen to me? And I, I tell them I've done it through relationships and building that trust and it takes time. And I ask them, do you have any other ideas? And the answer is always no. It's, it's really the <laughs> right. only way it to is. do it. Yeah. Um, you hear a lot of in-house lawyers saying, oh, I want to see at the table. I want, want to be more ingrained in the business. That, that's great, um, but I, I literally think the only way to do that is to, is to show them what you're capable of, 
show them who you are as a person and build that relationship. And that's, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, I would echo that being a marketer in a sea (laughs) full of lawyers that, I mean, I can get up there and and present our firm strategy and, you know, impress them with my marketing knowledge. But I think that doesn't really come to fruition until you've built the relationships and you've kind of problem solved one-on-one together on something and they can really begin to trust that you're bringing value through the process. So, great tips. I, I was just wanted to circle back to one other thing um, that you mentioned, um, you know, the, the boards that you're on, obviously some of them are aligned with the corporate goal of, of uh, Mars, but you couldn't be effective if you were just there because, yeah, it's to our, the company's benefit for me to be involved in this group because it ties into our business in some way. And so it leads me to the notion of authenticity and, and being authentic. And I, I'm curious what you um, have experienced, if you've learned the value of that and, and can speak to that, uh, both of you. Uh, I know, obviously, because I work <laughs> with Ashley uh, <laughs> every day, that she, authenticity is a big thing that we talk about. But I'm, I'm interested in, in what you think about that. Yeah, um, a lot of things come to mind. I would say, you know, not only as a as a person, obviously, this is coming across as the human lawyer. Do you need to be authentic? Um, if you're not, you're you're going to get caught. And I think that the same thing goes for for brands and for companies. Um, when you when you try to catch on to the latest fad, if it doesn't match your your purpose and it's inauthentic, your customers are going to see that. Their consumers are going to see that. Um, and it just comes off as uh, as forced, yeah. um, and, and it's not you're not being true to yourself. So not only as a person you need to do that, but your brands need to do that. Um, if you're if you're Skittles, for example, you could have a, a goofy ad, uh, right. Starburst. You can you All can right. take these whimsical things, and we have yeah. a, a cat treat, Temptations, that maybe can take some risk uh, because that's the area it plays in. Um, when you have IMS, which is a, a science-based uh, product, you know you probably don't want to take some of those risks. Um, and as a lawyer, when you're assessing um, some of the campaigns or, or an, an advertisement they want to do, sometimes you have to remind them of that. And obviously, they're, they're the brand manager. They, they know their business better than you. Uh, but you say, you know, is this really a risk you want to take because it doesn't fit? Now, if it, if it fits the mold of the brand, um, if it fits the mold of the company, yeah, we'll probably take a little bit of a risk and maybe play outside of our sandbox for a little bit. If it doesn't fit and it's, and it's inauthentic, uh, then why, why are we doing it? Because it's not going to have staying power. How, so how do you approach that conversation? Because that is a challenge, right? Like you said before, you don't want to be the office of no. You don't want to seem negative. You, and you also trust these uh, marketing professionals to know what they're doing, to be professionals. How do you approach that conversation so that it isn't just, uh, well, this is the GC's office and the buck stops here. So no. Um, h- how do you have that conversation so that it is a collaborative, cooperative experience that gets done what needs to get done? Well, you've already, you know, built the relationships. You've been through some issues together. Um, You trust each other. So then you're having the conversation on this campaign and we want to say this, but we probably shouldn't. We want to make this claim, whatever the case may be. Um, Honestly, I usually go back to a really fundamental question of like, what are you really trying to say? What are you really trying to do? And usually there is a a, a ploy, for lack of a better word, of, of some kind of message they're um, maybe trying to imply. And then that's when you say, exactly. 
Uh-huh. That's exactly what we can't be doing. So figure out a different way to do it. And usually they're pretty receptive to that because you've just asked them, what are you really trying to do? And they've told you what they're trying to do. And then they're, you know, not say they're painting in the corner, but uh, you've kind of exposed what everyone already knew. Just everyone was kind of afraid to say it. Um, so sometimes asking the really basic fundamental questions and getting to the root of what you're trying to do then forces them to be, uh, be more creative. And, and sometimes you have to push back on the external partners we talked about earlier. For example, an advertising agency, they don't want to you know, take away their artistic creative thunder. They have to have this person wearing this thing and saying it this way, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which I get and I appreciate. But um, you know, when you get down to the fundamentals of it, sometimes you just, you, when you ask those basic questions, it really exposes the, the truth. Ashley, okay. I would be curious, what would you say, what would you want in-house to understand about our side of that conversation? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it's speaking to the authenticity. I think as professional service marketers, it's a bit different than dealing with a consumer brand because, you know, marketing in terms of Womble Bond Dickinson, we're pretty grounded in understanding that our strategic marketing plan and our messaging needs to be incredibly authentic and it needs to have proof points because we're not, you know, coming out with some sort of product. Our product are, you know, our attorneys. And so it needs to be grounded in who we are as a group of attorneys and and they are kind of our brand ambassadors. So I'd say we probably don't deal with that issue quite as much. We're not as ingrained mm-hmm. with the GC's office in terms of the right. claims. And we deal with, with the bar <laughs> in every state. So they kind of tell yeah, us what we say, cannot do. Our, yeah. claim, our claims are a little <laughs> right. more regulated. They are, uh, yeah, than, so uh, um, we claims. all kind of play, you know, color within the lines when it comes to that, honestly. Yeah. Sounds good. This is a great discussion. I, I know we're running it. running I've low on time. Any, any yeah. final remarks before we wrap up or questions anybody wants to add? I'll add quickly that I'm inspired by Purpose. Mark and I kind of made a nod to each other that we've been talking about that a lot as a firm. Betty Temple, our CEO, is kind of on a plight to discover our shared purpose as a firm. It's a unique kind of journey. Not a lot of law firms have, have kind of named a purpose or a shared purpose as much as they have put vision and mission and values at the center of their marketing efforts. So I'm excited. I want to keep in touch with Steve to, <laughs> to hear more about um, how they ingrain purpose and strategy because I think that's that's really the interesting issue that I think we'll deal with and in arriving at a shared purpose. We don't want it to be words on a page or kind of a slogan. Right. We want this to be the common thread that, that runs through all of our attorneys and, and our law firms. So, we're excited to kind of embark on that journey, and I look forward to keeping in touch with Steve on on that. I had the same reaction, and I think about some of the studies we did of other purposes, things like SpaceX, you know, the purpose is to make a man an extraterrestrial right. species. I mean, these are you know, that, pretty bold, pretty pretty crazy, but you really try to drive to that, and right. you everyone, everything is focused on, is this furthering our mission of, you know, leaving this planet or making the world a better place for pets? It can be a unifying force, and I think, yeah, the way you've referenced it, the way you're living it is impressive for an in-house lawyer who, candidly, I don't, they've talked to a number of them, you don't usually hear kind of embodying that company purpose, so right. I had the same reaction, I think it's great. And it's something that I think I think our listeners need to think about 
at the companies they're working at? Can they articulate that purpose? Can it be a unifying way to guide some of the public relations we've been talking about yeah. to say what fits our niche? You know, if Steve's niche is helping pets, what you know, what is that niche for whatever mm-hmm. our listeners working, whether it's healthcare or manufacturing or whatever your you know sector is, you are doing something important. You, pro- you hopefully have some kind of company thing, and maybe you spend some time investing in, in articulating and living that purpose because that becomes part of that brand, but also a unifying thing for employees. So I, I, I appreciate I yeah, appreciate. It's no it. longer I think it's siloed great. to the HR or talent, you know, or, or even marketing department. The fact that you are living and breathing that, I think, is um, just a testament to, to where companies are going. I think they all realize that this shared purpose um, is needed for future talent and workforce. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, I think that'll bring us to the end of our show. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Ashley and Brian, appreciate you guys participating as well. Um, If folks want to connect with you, are you on LinkedIn or do you want to share any kind of email or contact information? I am, Steve Cavezza on on LinkedIn. Look me up, happy to connect. All right. You know, they may be asking for that purpose, inspiration, (laughs) say, you know, know, I'm I'm working for someone that manufactures steel beams. How can I make the world a better place? (laughs) Good luck. No. That's right. Well, they're building an arena or stadium. We've got some other folks, but I I think it's great to try to tie it in. Um, So, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, I do want to remind all our listeners, you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to the podcast at our website, WombleBondDickinson.com, or go to iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions or comments about this episode or ideas for future episodes, please share them on LinkedIn, Twitter, or email me directly. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the In-House Roundhouse. We will see you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Womble Bond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer, and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.